The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello. And how does it feel, Will, to be one of the best podcasts of 2016? I mean, I feel like according iTunes, to iTunes. I mean, bless iTunes. And by the way, of all the people for it to be according to in the world of podcasting, iTunes is the one that you know, for good or for ill. I always like when 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 I put up a link to the podcast, and I normally try to put up a link, you know, that both has iTunes and the Omni address in it. But sometimes you just don't have room, and so if I have to preference one or the other, I will preference the iTunes one because that is where the majority of people listen to the show. And I always do feel a bit like those people who are still holding on to other ones. I'm like, what world do you live in that I have no understanding of? This world without iTunes. <laughs> I kind of felt a bit like. Um because I think we have been, uh, we have been uh, selected as a best of in years gone by. But from my memory, it was like years and years ago. I kind of feel like, you know, we're one of those actors who was like, you know, sort of did really famous in the 70s and, you know, did big films. Then 20, 30 years has passed. Then we come out and do a film and we get an Oscar nomination. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy. Like tons of other podcasts have popped up in the meantime. And we sort of like drifted back into the distance. But then we've just come out and done our Birdman, our version of Birdman and get an Oscar nom. Well, the one thing that I do think about our podcast and I do think about this a lot is we're not, we're not, you know, originators, you know, like we're not from like, you know, there were plenty of people doing podcasts way before we did and plenty of people doing comedy podcasts before we did. But we're from a time that does not exist in podcasting anymore, which is when your podcast was just able to be about nothing. Like, like these days, like when you tell someone you have a podcast, people go, what's it about? And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh no, ours isn't really about anything. <laughs> we're, we're from an era when it was enough that you had a podcast. You didn't have to have an idea for your podcast or a hook for your podcast or guests or planning for your podcast. It, the whole premise of our podcast was we have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, since the, uh, the, the iTunes thing came out this week, I've had a few people get in touch who just have been wanting to know more info about the podcast. So I've been trying to sort of pull together some stuff that's sort of like, all right, here's, if people need some info, we can just send them something and we say this is what the show's about. And that specific thing I stumbled across, which is like, what is the show about? What is the show about? Um, uh, unscripted, off-the-cuff uh, conversation between two people who can't stick to one topic. I already hate that show. That thing you just <laughs> described to me sounds unlistenable. That sounds like a terrible show. Why would people think that's enough for a show? Surely you have to have a premise and an idea. If we were starting the show now, let, oh, here's a question. Okay. So imagine we're in today's environment, right? And so we're starting a podcast and it's not enough that like, we're just going to do a podcast where the two of us talk about things. Um, mm. 
the podcast has to be about something. Let's have a meeting. Mm. So we're new to okay. podcasting. It's it's the year 2016, yep. and the, the two of us have finally decided, hey, we should do a podcast together. What do you think that mm. podcast would be about? Uh, pop culture related. That's the easiest in. So it'll be like it's either uh, about like a TV show or films or comic books or comic book movies or the genre as a whole. I think that's a natural go-to for us. It's something we kind of know about. And also every week you got something to talk about. Or it's a, a, a sport podcast, which we already have. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I've asked you a hypothetical question about something we actually did 12 months ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had a meeting about let's do another podcast. What should it be about? I know, sport. <laughs> it's a good point. You, you probably did. You probably were prepared for that answer, I will say in retrospect. But I guess if we had to like narrow our podcast, yeah. what it is down to something that could then be repackaged as a like podcast. Maybe we could do one where it was like, cause you know, you're the human internet. Like yeah. it's kind of the human internet versus the internet. So each week mm. I could bring in like a topic and yeah. it's like, you know, you tell me what you remember of it while I read off Wikipedia and like kind of update, you know, what actually happened. So it's kind of you trying to remember the internet. That's Isn't basically that what, what this podcast is. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie tries to remember the internet. It's you know what it's like. It's like when um, Kasparov and all those other chess players take right. on Deep Blue. Yeah, it's 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 Charliepedia versus Wikipedia. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say like um, you know you hate this podcast already just from the description of it because uh-huh. uh, while I was pulling all this stuff together this week. I uh, was on the iTunes page and I was looking at the ratings board and I'm like, oh, cool. So, you know, we've got a lot of like five-star ratings and stuff. People are very supportive, which is nice. We we have 16 one-star reviews. And I was like, I've never bothered to look at those. No, no, that's a beautiful world you've lived in and I like (laughs) to live in that world as well where I've never looked at those. I I thought thought it might be be interesting to to go through some of these um, these, these comments and find (laughs) out what people think about our show. I don't think this will um, be fun. This is like mean tweets. I don't like it. Well, there's a safe word. There's a safe word. Okay. uh, What's the safe word? Uh, the safe word, it should be, um, Richard Grieco. That's two safe words. All right. (laughs) Sure. Okay. So, uh, this was an early review. So this person Uh reviewed in 2011. So I think that's fair enough. I probably would have complaints about the show. Golden Monkey 24. Totally boring. That's what he calls it. Richard Grieco. Richard Grieco. Richard (laughs) Grieco. Now, Golden Monkey, he sounds like a numbers man because he, uh-huh. he's written, how could 273 five-star reviews be so wrong? So he actually counted up how many five-stars we got. He was so angry. He went back to the opposite, of, opposite end of the spectrum and was like, okay, so there's 273 people who like it. After the demise of Get This, I've been looking, so you can tell it's 2011. Uh, this yeah, guy's okay. just still really holding on. Yeah, sure. I've been looking for something to take a place on my iPod, but this isn't it. No. I've listened to a few shows at random, having seen the great reviews, and I was really bored. Unless you're about 15 years old and have just graduated from the wee-poo bum school of humour and like to have a nervous giggle uh, at more advanced rude words than steer clear. If you like to have your humour with even a passing flirtation with intelligence, don't download this. Even that many people can be wrong. 
And then I imagine he pushed back from his desk and he wiped his hands off, stuck his big fatty palm into a big bag of Doritos. <laughs> Got out his signed copy of the Brown album and re-listened to it. <laughs> No, fair enough. I mean, if you were looking for something uh, like Get This is probably the greatest ever Australian radio show that was made at a radio station with the budget where you could, you know, produce. And look, I would say in our defense that we weren't going to we I don't think we ever said, hey, this is the new Get This (laughs) or even pretended that it was meant to be the new Get This. And if you were coming here looking for like polished sketches and like an encyclopedic knowledge of comedy like Tony Martin has, then yeah, I guess this would not be the podcast for you. Well, but good on that person. I will say this, good on that person who clearly I don't think was a fan of either of us when it came to the podcast. They just went, I'm just going to check it out. I like the idea that that person is a person who at least checks things out based on, you know, some other people's recommendations. And look, I would have preferred if they found it wasn't for them, they might have gone you know what, this is a free podcast and maybe I could just move on and keep my opinion to myself, but they shared it with iTunes. (laughs) What I like about that, Will, is you're like when Pope John Paul II was shot by a would-be assassin and then he went to visit him in the hospital the next day and said, I forgive you. I forgive you, my son. You're misguided. Right. Um, Well, I I don't forgive him, but I understand him. (laughs) This next one... uh, 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 Richard Greco. Richard Greco. (laughs) Is from Almighty Zalark, and this oh, was uh, January 22nd, 2014. Remind, Heading, me what, re- oh, re- remind me who the first one was called again, who, along with Almighty Zalark. What was uh, the name Golden of the monkey, Golden, Golden Monkey 24. We've lost Golden Monkey and Almighty Zalark. <laughs> well, these were like, I mean, Golden Monkey was in 2011, uh-huh. which was, I think, if, if memory serves, one of our mic stands was a camera tripod that we right. had gaffer taped a microphone to. And so the, yeah, and the other me one, if it didn't sound like get this. And the other one wasn't plugged in most of the time. <laughs> so sue us. Uh, so Almighty Zolark in 2014, the heading is regrettable. Uh, now watch how he starts. Okay. Will Anderson is one of the funniest men in Australia. Oh. Full oh. stop. Where is this going then? Oh, wait, I don't hear no Richard Greco all of a sudden from you. Who are you liking this? He's nibbling your earlobe. Well, no, because I know it's going to end badly. I know this is like the M. Night Shyamalan. Like, he's, he's got me in. He's got me interested. All right, here we go. Will, Will Anderson is one of the funniest uh-huh. men in Australia. Yeah. On stage, that is. Okay. In this podcast, he's just being normal. He proves that he is regrettably very, very ordinary, very dull and uninformed. And then a real uh, Donald Trump sign-off, such a pity, exclamation mark. The equivalent of sad. I'm all right with that one. I'm fine with that. That's fine. (laughs) What else? Well, what that kind of says to me is that he says, you're one of the funniest men in Australia on stage, but on this podcast, you're not. Which points to one person as being the problem. No. Me. No, but also, like, I mean, the truth of it is that my stage show is a condensed hour, 70 minutes of the funniest thoughts I've had for 365 days, where this is hours of nonsense weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Also, my stage show costs like 60 bucks, and this is fucking free on the internet. So, you know, was that not any indication that they might not be of the same comedic quality? (laughs) Uh, this one kind of um, uh, is just written meh, M-A-H, in the okay. heading. Richard by Greco. By the frumper. 
<laughs> Cheap. Yes. Yes. Lazy. Free. Free. I agree with that. Uh, yep. Free. More often, more often than not boring. Well, oh, yeah, that's up for debate. Okay. Wow. And that's the professional star, Will Anderson. His oh. co-host, Charlie, is actually quite witty and entertaining. What? <laughs> Maybe not entertaining enough to sit through Will's endless dick-sucking and weed jokes. <laughs> endless well, dick-sucking and weed jokes? I mean, weed jokes, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I would give you the weed jokes, but the, I, I, I would, when I characterise your sense of humour, I don't think of endless dick-sucking. I mean, I think that we just had... There was a couple of early episodes that went particularly blue. There was a period of time... Well, you know what the thing is? Because we weren't trying to be get this but the podcast that we both liked a lot was a podcast called smogcast kevin smith and scott mosier yeah. and it traditionally ended up being these like pop culture riffs that were just like would end up in like well you know everyone knows what kevin smith's humor is and we both bonded over that so it made a lot of sense like much like bands and stuff like that that when you start doing something that you don't know any of the rules of that you were influenced by the yeah. things that you liked so i mean I don't think the podcast these days is, although, you know, last week we talked about vomiting and food poisoning for the first 20 minutes, but it's, I don't think it, it's an endless parade of dick-sucking gags at this stage. No. And, a lot, le- and one, a lot less weed oh. gags since you've been on Home and Away. So, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe to be honest, that guy might come back and enjoy it if you tuned into some later episodes. This last one is my favourite. This is the most recent. This is posted only a week ago. Oh, no. Recent uh, bad feedback. Because I was able to kind of go, all that other stuff's in the past. But this is like someone recently. Oh, look. Look, this is five bad reviews over a six-year history. Five okay. one-star reviews. Yeah. There's a couple of middling ones around about three stars. But I've always considered myself a bit of a three-star entertainer. I'm happy with that. Sure. Uh, this was posted on Still December Still don't 6th. quite understand why on iTunes you would give a fucking show a three-star review. A free show. Give it five. Give it one. Understand both of those. They're extreme reactions. <laughs> but a three? Anyway, go on, Charlie. <laughs> Leftist elitist rubbish. Oh. Is their heading? Yeah, okay. By Saw, by Saw Dragon, S O A R, Saw Dragon. As I mean, we have dragon. really lost a Game of Thrones meets Dungeons and Dragons cast of characters. <laughs> we have Saw Dragon, Almighty <laughs> Zalark, the Golden Monkey, the Frumper. Saw Dragon says, I love the footy podcast, so I wanted to give this a go. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, it is yet another limousine liberal rave fest. <laughs> <laughs> so dis- so disappointed. When will privileged ce- celebrities realise they are not the wisest people on earth who we plebs must bow down to before and worship? From a guy who calls himself Sore Dragon. <laughs> well, uh, delusions of grandeur? I mean, okay, well, here's the absolute truth of my life. I am the son of... Uh, dairy farmers. Uh, my dad is still a dairy farmer at age 73. Uh, my brother is a dairy farmer on the same farm. My grandfather built the road that my father grew up on. Uh, I can sit, I grew up working class. The only opportunity I got to go to a good school was through uh, a scholarship. And yeah, I have had some success in my life and I have some opinions, but I think that if you listen to the opinions that I have about things, I offer them mostly through the prism of here's what I think and I'm interested in what other people think and how the world works and I certainly don't ever expect that my ideas, what might be right for me or the way that I look at the world is necessarily how other people would look at the world. So that's my fucking response to your one-star shit letter. Glad you enjoyed the footy <laughs> podcast. <thank> you, <laughs> 
And I would say, like, if you are sick of these limousine liberals and the, and the liberal mainstream media, then this is the podcast for you. We were post-truth before post-truth was a thing. If you want fucking, like, poorly researched information delivered by two ranting idiots, then this is the show for you. We should be right up your alley. I mean, that's a good point. And also, it always amuses me that it's the people who, like, you know, are so much about the idea of telling it like it is and free speech and all those sort of things that don't like people when they tell it like it is or free speech. That's the thing that I find yeah. interesting about the limousine liberals. I have occasionally caught a limousine, so I will tell you that. And I, you know what? I, uh, I live in Malcolm Turnbull's suburb. Like, my local member of parliament is Malcolm Turnbull. I've never voted for the Labour Party. Actually, no, that's not true. Once I voted for the Labour Party once when I was 20 years old. So, you know, I mean, people can think what they like about those things. But I'm also not going to, like, you know, it's our podcast. We're allowed to say what we think about, you know, the nature of the world. And I think it's important that, you know, you do say what you think about the nature of the world. Well, here's the thing that is uh, driving me mental at the moment. Like, in this very divisive kind of left versus right uh, society we have where it's constantly the discussion in the paper is, each side accusing the other side of bias. It just spins me out that how can you accuse another side of bias without recognizing your own bias? Like how can Pauline Hansen come out and say that she won't go on Sunrise because Andrew O'Keefe's liberal bias is so plainly obvious when her bias is written in her policies? It's what she's built a platform on. Like I don't, I don't understand how that is constructive, how that moves us forward. Also, I don't understand that idea of like this idea that you just because somebody disagrees with you that they're somehow preaching to you or they're somehow like I run up against it all the time, you know, which is this idea of that you can't hear. Mate, mate, I couldn't listen to any of the football shows that I like listening to. Speaking of the football show, most of those guys vote liberal, no doubt about it. Like when you hear their banter, when they talk about politics, all those sort of things. But I enjoyed their commentary on football just because I would, don't, wouldn't necessarily agree with the, like their politics. I'll just avoid that topic with them. Like it's not mm-hmm. that big a deal. Like this sudden idea, and this is the problem in America at the moment, on both sides, this sudden idea that half the country hates the other half of the country and can't see. Like I've just done a week of shows in Alaska. I've just done a week of shows in Cleveland. I'm going to Wisconsin. They're all Trump states. And I go out to a group full of strangers and I talk to them about the world and stuff. Like, I mm. know what it's like out there. I'm going out there. I'm mm. meeting people. I'm not living in some bubble. Like, I'm a person who has to meet strangers who have gathered in a fucking bar to hear some jokes. Like, so, you know, this idea that somehow, you know, you're living in some sort of bubble is ridiculous. And we have to find some way that we're not in our own bubble so that we can move forward a little. But do you think it's, it's easier just to pick a side, Will? It's easier. I mean, it's team sports now. It's, you know, red versus blue. It's just okay. easier. Well, you, I, th- let's use the footy analogy while we're here. Okay. And, like, yeah. and while this guy's talking about the fact that he likes the footy podcast. So let's talk about that. It's the balance that you have in between how much you care individually about your team versus the game, right? So mm-hmm. you and I have had this debate heaps of times about our teams. In that GWS, you know, and Gold Coast were getting all these money and all these draft choices and stuff. And they were coming at the expense of teams that were down the bottom, like our teams that would have ordinarily got those players and whatever. And so you have to balance in your head, how much do I care about the nature of this competition and the whole thing will be grown, Mm. the sport will be grown by giving it and it'll work like this versus, well, I like this team and I only really care about my team and so this is all shit. And yeah, we've debated 
back and forward about how much both of those things are. But I think there's a bit of that as a citizen as well, where you can go, I can barrack for my team, but eventually we've all got to remember mm. that without the two teams working together, at least in some things, there's no competition. So sometimes, you know, we're going to have to sacrifice a little bit about what we want or for, or for our team so that the whole competition can grow and move forward. And if we're too busy fighting each other on the left and the right in Australia and it holds Australia back, that's not the point of that. We're meant to be fighting mm. on each side so that Australia can move forward in the best way possible for all of us, you know. But that is leftist fucking bullshit from a limousine fucking Chardonnay sipping. I'm going to go back to my kombucha Charlie in my <laughs> Los Angeles apartment and keep lecturing the public about how they should all be like me. Millionaire stand-up comedian. Weed-smoking, <laughs> weed vegetarian, pinko, left-leaning, communist, socialist. Dick sucking, endless dick sucking, endlessly dick sucking. Not as good as Tony Martin, like your footy <laughs> podcast, one star. Fuck fu fu no. funny on stage, but <laughs> not on this stage, show. But I'm a dragon. Go this get is like fuck. our this is like our own version of I love green guy lettuce. <laughs> well, one of the uh, one of the one star reviews actually. After he bags has said, you should go listen to the sweetest plum or the green guide letters instead. Okay. Much better shows. Oh, well, they're good oh, plugs. So. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Step, step over our bodies to get there. And yeah. this, this uh, climate, by the way, like this, that, we could call our podcast, I Hate iTunes Comments. <laughs> <laughs> and every week we just read out bad iTunes comments to our show and bag them. That's our podcast. Well, well, thankfully, that was all of them. We did it in one show. There we go. This, um, but this, this climate we're in of, uh, of you know, a team sport, it actually kind of, like if you get into any rabbit hole on Twitter or comment section or whatever and you watch an article get posted and then the kind of battle take place in the comments and no matter what is put forward by either side, ultimately it will be dismissed by the fact that it is coming from, well, you, of course you'd say that, you know, you're a lefty, of course you'd say right. that you're a conservative, whatever it is. It sort of reminds me of when I used to argue with my sister when I was a kid. She had this great technique of even if I was right, even if I had all the facts, if we were arguing, she would suddenly shift the focus off what we're arguing about and put it onto me and to be like, why do you have to yell? Your face is going so red. You look so fucking ugly when you yell. And that would just like throw me off. But it was such a fantastic diversionary tactic because no matter what I... Didn't matter how sound my logic was, the fact that it was coming from me and the way I was delivering it made it unacceptable. And that's what we're doing now. I know, it, it, and it really annoys me because it is one of those things where I think we all have a responsibility, like a social responsibility to try to be able to debate ideas because if we can't debate ideas, we get stuck. And that's where I feel like we are at the moment in the world. We're stuck because we've lost our capacity to... I think what happened was we got asked so often for our opinion we came into an age where the internet came along and feedback on you know you couldn't ring your bank or answer a call or whatever w without being asked for your feedback like i can't play a comedy club without them having a form on the table w what did you think of the, the night you can't stay in a hotel you get sent an email we are constantly being asked for our opinion we started having tv shows where they printed the you know like tweet so you can be on the tv show like we had twitter we had facebook everyone suddenly had these voices and in some ways 
that's been an amazing thing for democratic thought and it's meant that you know the black lives matter you know campaign was able to rise out of that and you know uh yes all women and all these the disenfranchised groups who hadn't had access to traditional media brilliant lots of brilliant things but we've been constantly being asked for our opinion all the time to the point where everybody thinks their opinion is entitled all the time and mm. i think that that's while I understand the idea that everybody should be entitled to their opinion, there are certain circumstances where, say, my opinion is just... Like, for example, when we talk about climate change, if you want to go to the lefty stuff, I only believe in climate change because the scientists say that it's happening. I have no personal knowledge about how climate change works. I am not smart enough to understand how climate change works. I am smart enough to understand that the people we appointed to be the experts in this area have said this is the case and I can't see why they would like say that for any other reason than they think it is true. So I trust they're bought and paid for, Will. You see all those climate scientists rolling around in their Ferraris and Rolls Royces just making it rain, big gold chains. They're the gangster rappers of science, Will. We all know it, man. If everyone's making fat stacks, it's climate scientists. I mean, a lot of people don't know that Dr. Carl just bought the Sydney Opera House to live in. <laughs> He's done so well at the climate conspiracy. Uh, no, but I mean, here's the thing. They might not be right because, you know, the, the earth and the temperature and all those things are incredibly complicated. And, you know, I imagine there's so much about this planet that we don't understand. But we, we appoint experts to do jobs. And I'm happy for everyone to have an opinion on those sort of things. But I think there are certain areas where, like, I mean, the plane would never take off if instead of the pilot deciding which direction they were going to fly in, they let everybody on the plane have a say <laughs> in which direction they had to fly in. Like, that's an area where you can have an opinion. You wish they went out that way so that you could get a good view of Dr. Carl's house as you flew out of Sydney. But otherwise, you, you shouldn't get a say in that situation. And I think that's... Yeah, but- the what you'd happen in that, in, that, in that plane analogy is you would have one guy saying, yeah, look, the pilot knows how to get us there, but he's going to fly us the longest route around, so we end up having to pay more for our airfare. Like, I want to listen to – this guy here reckons he knows a, a shorter path. He's looked at a map on his phone, and he reckons you know, the shortest way from point A to point B is this way. And then the pilot might come on and say, yeah, yeah, but you're not accounting for things like wind factor and we have to fly to a certain height, blah, blah. Hey, hey, you're bought and paid for by the airline companies, pal. We know just as much. We've got Google. We know what we're looking at. Yeah, and then next the guy come in and talk about how jet fuel can't melt steel beams. And then it'll all be about 9-11. <laughs> what and about then, the chemtrails? What about the chemtrails, you asshole? Then somebody would bring up Adam Goods for a reason no one can remember, but it would become <laughs> about that for a while. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right, man. It's the opinion age. Well, I mean, the, the truth of it is, and the, the thing when you come to the... the, the Media has traditionally been involved. And this is the thing that annoys me when somebody talks about that idea of, again, I'm harping on the limousine liberal thing, but it's thematic to what I'm talking about, which is this idea of it's not the the refugee or the person on the dole or whatever who's ripping you off. It is the elite, but not the elite you're being told is the elite, like the rich. You know, the reason that you are poor is that the rich have so much. And the reason that you're being told all the time that somebody else is taking your stuff is because the rich own the newspapers and these sort of things that re- reinforce that privilege in society. It's a natural thing that happens. You see it, you know, we've got a great example in America of what could happen in Australia. And we have an opportunity to either keep going and see, you know, what happened in America happen in Australia in like, you know, 10 years or whatever. Or we could 
actually go in a different direction. And I just think that's important because it's not me that's going to get screwed by it. It's not me that's going to get screwed by it in any way. I'm not saying these things because I have anything to gain from them in any way. It's the... It's going to be those who are most vulnerable who are, suffer the effects of climate change. You know, when people have to get on boats, when 500,000, a million, you know, 5 million people are suddenly getting on boats because they have nowhere else to live because their islands are underwater, where do you think they're going to come? And where do you think we're going to put them in those situations? You know, it's not the rich people who are going to be in trouble if it gets hotter all the time. They'll just be able to build something or be in an environment or buy their way out of it. It's always going to be the poor who suffer in these environments. So that's... I mean, the only reason I really care, I don't have kids. The fuck do I care? I'm going to die before any of it's a problem. I care because I'm a human being and I, anyway, I'm not running for fucking prime minister is my point. I can say what I like. (laughs) Sorry, I got really ranty. That probably didn't help. That probably didn't get him back to the podcast. But I think think in Australia, we do, I mean, it is going to be a problem for everyone. I mean, not just, I mean, the poor definitely, but... Look at where 90% of our population lives. We live on the biggest island on the planet. Right. You think rising sea levels aren't going to be a problem? I remember before the Abbott government came in, there, used to, there was a website for, uh, uh, it was a, a commission on climate change that had posted all their findings online. You could go to a government website and look at what they saw with the projected sea level rises. And it was something like within 70 to 100 years, all those million dollar... Um, bits of real estate around Sydney Harbour up to Palm Beach, Newcastle, were going to be underwater, like seventy to hundred years, and that was that was a project that was projected, you know, ten almost ten years ago. So I don't know what if that's accelerated now or if that's any worse. But this is going to be a problem. You're right; the rich people will just move inland and build some kind of Elysium style uh, tower or whatever. But at the rate you're describing, because you know where I live in relation to the harbour. I would say that in about 120 years at that rate, I will have a harborside home. Oh, yeah. You'll, have, yeah. you'll, you can st- you'll be able to step off your front step into the water. <laughs> the only drawback is that swimming pool you've got will be a waste of money. You've got the ocean right at your feet. Uh, at that stage, I'll be 160 and surprised to still be alive and living <laughs> in that same place. You'll just be a head in a jar hooked up to electrodes. <laughs> Just out the back. They just keep me out the back of my office as a souvenir. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like Graceland. So this is where they came to record Tofop. It'll be actually our two heads still recording. It'll be like an artificial, it'll be a low level artificial like intelligence. I was about to say artificial insemination. That's a whole other project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll basically, what they'll do is they'll, uh, whenever this show finishes up, they'll take the, the, the sum total of all our episodes and they'll put it into an algorithm which can randomly right. generate a show based off all the shows we've done before. And then they'll just have our heads our heads hooked up to kind of animatronic bodies. Right. And the show will... So when you walk past, it'll be motion activated. <laughs> You'll go into the... Like, the <laughs> the Tofop version of Graceland and you and I will be propped up on like our real heads... Would our brain still be alive? Do you think that would have kept any of our brain tissue active? Uh, you know what I think it is. I like it. I think that, that they've worked out that we had talked the most amount of nonsense that they had recorded, right? And that they could run if they felt like if they just ran this. Pro- you know, it's, it's, it was their modern day version of the infinite number of monkeys. You know, if you could get an infinite number of monkeys. Yeah. 
Like Dr. Carl, with all that sweet money he made from the climate change conspiracy, put a bit, bit of money into AI and he decided he would use our podcast. And so basically we, we're running a program. So it's not actually motion It's always running. And basically they've taken everything we've ever talked about, but it just gets refed back into different conversations using the same amount of like mm. information until they finally like crack whatever the code is. Did you see that uh, the David Bowie exhibition, the one that was all like a collection of his artwork and costumes and stuff from his show? Was that like Acme? I think it was toured the world. Did you see it? Uh, no, I did not see it, no. So he had this um, it's amazing, one of the best exhibitions I've been to, but he genuinely had a machine like that, which he used to kind of inspire him, which is like a, I mean, I'm going to get this wrong, but it was, the, it was along the lines of a random word generator where he would, just hit it, it was like you know it was a computer developed in the 80s or 90s where he would hit a button and it would spit out a bunch of kind of like I guess non sequitur sentences or, uh-huh. or a combination of words and from that David Bowie would then use it to go oh, okay and he would start writing his songs around uh, you know this kind of word sequencer so we're doing that but with cyborgs <laughs> except it's not just random words like I like to think it would be like, yeah, reconstituted Coherent. conversations. So it'd be like an endless episode of TOEFOP. And, and then yeah. in, the, in the corner, there'd be one guy endlessly reviewing it, giving it one star and saying it wasn't as good <laughs> <laughs> as the Let's get, get this, this one he'd been to yesterday where Tony Martin and Ed Cavalier's heads are in the studio doing, doing get this over and over again. Doing Rex Hunt jokes. <laughs> uh yeah i i don't know like i mean i hope that the world's going to heal itself like i i do genuinely hope that and it's been interesting traveling around america to places that aren't you know necessarily traditional um you know uh democrat states you know places that might have voted for trump and audience members and stuff like that to kind of work out i mean it does feel like the heat's coming coming out of it a bit but i i do i do worry a Bowie's machine uh, so was called my, the the verbalizer. Verbalizer. There you oh go. Can you find out a bit more information about the machine for us, Michael? What it actually did? I think my explanation was probably a bit muddy. David Bowie is the verbalizer. <laughs> Edward Woodward. Yeah. <laughs> the verbalizer and the equalizer together at last. Yeah, I don't the, know. I, the I verbalizer like and is... the equalizer go to Mount Eliza this summer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel like there is this, um, I feel like there is a definite, um, there is a tension at the moment where it feels like the US is sort of leading, US and Brexit have sort of led this kind of, uh, uh, this tension between are we doing a swing back to ultra conservatism or whatever you would call it. I mean, alt-right, ultra conservative, whatever you call it. Like Australia, you can feel like the right-wing commentators and, you know, parties like um, One Nation are definitely trying to get some momentum out of it. I just don't, we sort of talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Luckily for us, we just don't have a a charismatic enough ultra-right leader. Like Pauline Hanson would love to be it, but she just, I don't don't think she inspires enough. I don't think the moderates or the people who are swinging would be inspired enough to vote for Pauline. I think, you know, and I think some of it's our own fault. I mean, like, you know, Pauline Hanson 
we kind of, yeah, not we, but like, you know, the popular media, you know, kept going. Like they let her go on these TV shows because she was good for ratings and her you know, controversy was good for ratings, despite the fact that most of the people in the building probably didn't subscribe to the sort of things she said and she probably didn't have the audience. They put her, they humanized her by putting her on things like Dancing with the Stars. And I, I think that that's the thing about like, you know, a Trump as well is like he's been humanized. And sometimes mm. I think... I'm not a big fan of like getting to know politicians as as people, and I and I don't really like when I hear people say, oh, you know, about say an Andrew Bolt or people like that. They, oh, well, I met them in real life, and they're they're really nice. I actually think that's the problem with meeting them in real life, because you know, to quote uh, Bat- Katie Holmes in Batman, um, <laughs> it's not who you are it's inside; what it's you what, are you inside, what you do. What you do that defines you, and and I think that's the case when it comes to politics that. You know, at the end of the day, it's what you do. What you know, what 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 do your actions say about you? And yeah, well, anyway, I mean, the, the verbalizer uh, turns out your explanation was actually quite accurate. Charlie Pedia won. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's good. Uh, my recall of, uh, but that doesn't count as. I don't know if that counts as an internet fact. That's more of a, a life experience. I actually left the house for once to, to gain that information. Doesn't matter because I don't, I don't care where you got the stuff. It's just about like, you know, it's essentially me remembering something or finding something and then just seeing what you do versus the internet. Yeah. All right. Sure. Well, you know what? Maybe that can be, maybe we can make that a new, like uh, uh, maybe for the live show or something, Charlie versus Wikipedia. Oh, that's pretty good actually. Uh, I, like, I like that. Okay. Let's, let's do one. What's something... Give me an area. Yeah, it would have to be something along the lines of pop culture trivia. Like where I tend to excel, I think, is obscure celebrities. Like obscure. You know what I was thinking about the other day, actually? Do you remember that kids show? There's a kids show. I don't know if you got it out in Hayfield called Come On Kids. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember it? I'm sorry, it's just very hard for me not to laugh at a children's TV show called Come On Kids. Yeah. Do you remember uh, it though? Uh, I, I don't know if I ever saw Come On Kids, but I, so I, it remember, was a, I remember that I believe, it was a show. I believe it was a show. It was like one of those kids shows where it's a host and a puppet and then they throw to cartoons, I think. Right. And it, was, it wasn't Come On Kids, C-U-M-O-N. Oh, it wasn't? Was, no, it was C apostrophe M-O-N. Come On Kids. Okay. That probably is better for me to Google. authorities are at the door come on kids here we go got it here all right yeah i got it all right okay so Um, let's uh, let's see how i go no come on kids there was a different come on kids come on kids uh tv i'm gonna have to put in because there was also a boo radley's album called come on kids um, all right. Doesn't have its own Wikipedia page. So you've already beaten Wikipedia by, just, re- by just remembering it. But um, is there stuff online that there's we can an I- there's, a, there's an IMDB. Let's see what it says. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. What was the name of the talking duck on Come On Kids? Now, this is what I was going to ask you because I, I was trying to remember. Now, it's either Winky Dink. Uh-huh. Or, or Ridgy Ridgy Didge. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, it Winky Dink? Winky Dink, the talking yes. duck. That's right. It was a little hand puppet. And I think the host of the show was a guy called Robin. Uh all right, hang on. Let's Does see. Does it say? Uh, so um 
presenter, 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 presenter. Oh, there's a lot of presenters. Uh, oh, really? Mark, Mark Fantasia, maybe? Might have oh, been called Mark Robin know. on the show, maybe. Uh, yeah, he maybe had a stage there's, name. There's not a lot of details. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Hang on. Let's see if I can find something else here. Um, mm. Channel Niners. What's what's Channel Niners? Uh, uh, does it have the th- Does it have the theme song? Because I think I remember it. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. All right. Um, come on, kids. Opener. Here we go. The Uh, do you, what, what do you do? You want to see if you can do it before I play it? Yeah, or? let's go. Let's get. Let's now. Let's go line by line. I'll see if okay. I can remember it. All right, here. Let's go. Okay, the place is now, and we are one. Is that the first line? Oh, are you playing it? Uh so I was playing it. So I oh, know I didn't have the lyrics. I'm playing it. Oh. Okay, so, sure. So you said, what did you think the first line was? The place is now and we are one. So come on, kids, let's have some fun. Let's see. I think that I think that's right. I'm going to play it again. Yeah, the place is now and we are one. Okay, so far so, so good. What, bit, what do you think uh, the next line like, is? We, we might, Michael. You might have to cut. Well, let's have to send you a link to this, and you'll have to cut it in because I can't actually hear the lyrics. Oh no, because right, cool. it, yeah, it's all good. But um, okay, I, I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll just play it to myself. Mike okay, the place is now and we are one. So the yeah. first line I was right. The place is now and we are one. So come on, kids, and have some fun. Okay, okay And I think the next line is, there's lots of laughs and much more too. Hang on. Oh, hang on, wait. <laughs> there's loads of laughs and much fun too. Is that what you think? Oh, I damn it. I said there's lots of laughs and much more too. So there's uh, loads of laughs and much fun too. Is that what the lyric that, is? That might not be. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, there's lots of laughs and much more too. Is that what you thought it was? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that is actually what it is. So come on, kids. It's all for you. All right, here we go. Yeah, come on, kids. It's all for you, but pretty close. Oh. <laughs> come on, kids. We're all kids. Show the world just how it is. Come on, kids. Do it, kids. Show the world just how it is. Come on, kids. Do it, kids. Show the world just how it is. Come on, kids. We're all kids. Come on, kids. I think that's how it goes. Uh, yeah, but there's more. It keeps going for another 30 seconds. So I'll get Mike Hal. Maybe that's the 12-inch version. Yeah, Mike Hal can play the whole one minute and 11 seconds of the Come On Kids opener for everybody. But uh, that was pretty good, man. Uh, I can't believe anyone wouldn't think this was a five-star podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But is that still a thing? Are there still Saturday morning cartoon shows? With a host and a puppet. Like that was, remember growing up, that was like the thing. It was like, did you get the early bird show? Did you get any of that stuff? You would have got Shell's Neighborhood at least, right? 
No, I can't remember any of those shows. I remember Play School and Sesame Street. That's about it. Oh, man, you got the ABC. You didn't get all the Flash kind of kids shows. You know who no. Marty Monster is. You don't know who Marty Monster is? No, I mean, I've heard of him, but I've, I don't know who Marty Monster is, no. Should, Marty I, Monster Wikipedia, say- should I Wikipedia Wiki- Marty Monster as well? Oh, I don't think Marty, I don't know if you'll come up, but Marty Monster was one of these fourth wall breaking kids character. He was kind of a bit like oh, really? Agro before Agro. So what he was, it was a guy in a big foam suit, a big monster suit. It was like a, it looked like a Sasquatch type thing. But he would often reference the fact that he was a guy in a suit. It was very kind of meta. All right, um, here we go. There's, uh, the first clip that came up is Marty Monster versus Kangaroo. Oh, yeah, he gets kicked in the nuts by the okay. kangaroo. I'm just, that. Gonna pl- I'm just going to play that just for a second. Okay. Okay, <laughs> so the guys, the trainer is holding the kangaroo up. Marty the monster is getting in on the action. And Rags is not into it, the kangaroo. And Rags is not into Marty Monster at all. Oh, hang on. Hang on, Rags is... Oh, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Will, you've got to describe what's happening. None of us can see. Sorry. Wait, I'll just... (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Man, oh, man, that's funny. Okay, everyone has to Google Muddy Monster versus Kangaroo because <laughs> basically what is happening is it's like a children's TV show and they're, they're tr- they've got a, like a, an animal trainer on and he's brought out, firstly, this is like, I don't know how anyone thought this was a good idea, but he's brought out a full-size kangaroo. Like it's a massive full-size kangaroo. Like, you know, I was about to say human kangaroo, but not like a guy, <laughs> not a guy in a kangaroo suit, an actual marsupial kangaroo has come out. And so the trader, who's like a professional, I guess, kangaroo wrangler or whatever, kangaroo wrangler, he, he's like, he's got a bushy beard and he's very much just sort of like, and he's holding up the kangaroo, but it's like he's trying to break up a fight already between like, it's like the kangaroo and Marty the monster, which is a grown man, I assume, in a monster suit. Like, it's like the two of them have had a bit of a fight in the bar and the kangaroo's really antsy about it, but Marty the monster is so obliviously drunk that he doesn't know there's an issue going on. So, like, clearly the kangaroo's already trying to go, like, he's going, what the fuck is this giant monster? Like, I've got to attack this monster because the kangaroo has actual instincts because, you know, raised in its natural habitat, it doesn't normally see monsters. So it's seen one and decided (laughs) it should fuck up a monster, right? It doesn't get what's going on. It's on TV. It's freaking out. And then so the guy's trying to pull it apart. And then Marty the monster, who is clearly oblivious to the fact that this is a dangerous situation, just like wades back in to the thing. And then the guy just gets out of the way. I don't know if he just gave up. I'd have to watch it back or whether he gets pushed out of the way because the roux is so huge but then the roux just goes at the head of marty the monster and fucking tackles him to the ground and gets into him it is very oh very that's a funny. big kangaroo I'm, i've just brought the video up myself right yeah, this how big's the roux? yeah and he's in a bad mood he gets the bloody right. trainer in a headlock before or before he even oh, starts yeah. on marty then he sees marty yeah. <laughs> 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 holy shit you know what it's like? It's like a fucking drunk dude at a pub who's just right. willy-nilly just taking dudes out. He's crushing that monster's skull. Why is security doing anything? This is brutal. This is like watching Conor McGregor fights. Jesus Christ. That, man, that fucking roo. You do not fuck with that rabbit. Uh, that rabbit. That kangaroo. It's Russell Crowe. That's full on. 
Well, that guy, I don't know if this is true, but when I was in high school, there was a nightclub down the road from us that we would all go to. I think it was, it had a, it had a sexy name. It was, um, oh, that's right. it was called the G-Spot. Did you ever go there? It was in Hawthorne, near Hawthorne yep. Station. Yep, you know the G-Spot, right? Yep. So apparently there was, I don't know if you remember this guy, but there was this bouncer that we used to call Tarzan. He was this really big dude with a beard and stuff, really sort of wide, sort of looked like a big barrel. And the rumor was that he was Marty, Marty Monster because Marty Monster was in the 80s. This was sort of like the mid-90s now. And I never had the courage to ask him. But if I'd known it was, it would have been no problem. I would just come to the club with a fucking kangaroo. <laughs> Fuck that dude up. He's, the, the poor dude's got PTSD from the television show. And, and he's like, he's got a job at the G-spot like as a bouncer because it's like the place he's least likely to run into a kangaroo. See a kangaroo. And you just rock yeah. up dressed as, hates Australia Day. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do it on Australia Day because too many people come in with inflatable kangaroos and he has flashbacks. No, the worst, the worst night for him was in 1996 when the North Melbourne Kangaroos won the grand final and all the players turned up for the after party. He had a fucking freak out. Yeah. And plus, Wayne Carey was having an affair with his wife. So it's both <laughs> of those things. Terrible, terrible time for Marty. <laughs> Mrs. Monster loved it. <laughs> there was this um, one. I used to love that show, The Early Bird Show. There's a, there a bunch of puppets. They had like, uh, there was like a tiger puppet and there was another kind of monster puppet. But I remember watching it one morning and I would have been like six or seven. And I don't know, it must have been like a new guy was on the cameras that day or whatever. Because at least two or three times during the show, because the way those, you know, you've got to have fairly tight framing on the desk with the presenter and the puppet, because if you pull too wide, you're going to see the guy operating the puppet. Well, this cameraman must have been his first day because there's at least three or four occasions where he turned, he panned too early or he framed up too wide or whatever. And you saw the puppeteers for each of the puppets. And I remember it like being this horrible kind of moment for me like this. I mean, I knew they were puppets, but... The curtain had been ripped away. Like I knew how the trick was done and it really sort of rattled me for a few days. Well, it's like uh, getting all kids into like a room at age nine uh, at Christmas and getting in the all meet Santa and one by one as they go up and sit on Santa's knee, he whispers in their ear, I'm not real, Santa's not real. <laughs> Here's the thing though, like as a kid when I believed in Santa, so you know when I was about 16, 15, 16, when I was a kid, I was not I was gullible enough to believe in Santa, but not so gullible to believe that that dude was Santa. What I figured was like, in the same way that the Catholic Church has priests who are, you know, God's appointed spokespersons right. on earth, I understood that those Santas weren't the real Santa. They were his disciples. They were kind of representing Santa. It was a symbolic gesture. I don't yeah. think any kid thinks it's actually Santa. No, and much like uh, the priesthood, mm. more Santas people you probably shouldn't leave your children alone with <laughs> so <laughs> a lot in common uh no i mean i agree with you i i thought you always thought he was like santa's representative he was like yeah yeah i mean yeah and i think my parents when i discovered because i discovered one night i think them you know putting the presents in like you know the sack for christmas and i think mm. i still believe for a couple of years just because i wanted to believe i think but they went with the they doubled down and went with the oh no santa just gets us to help him out, but Santa's in charge of all this, which is such a, I always think Santa is like the most, like it's such a selfless parent thing because parents spend so much time at Christmas, so much time, so much money that they probably don't have as young families. Like, you know, and then they get 
and this other fictional guy gets all the fucking credit. Santa didn't buy you that fucking bike. Your dad worked really hard last week, you know, for a whole month. He worked late so you could have that fucking bike. And now Santa's getting all the credit? Fuck that shit. That's dad. Dad is Santa. I caught up with my family last night and I heard a story about um, my uh, one of my elder sisters, a fantastic rort she did. So, because big family, there was like four or five kids at the time. And she, being one of the oldest, figured out early that, you know, it wasn't Santa, it was mum and dad. So she got up really early on Christmas morning where mum and dad had laid out all the presents and all the different stockings. So she went out before everyone and got up and just went through all the stockings and just hand-picked the best presents and put them into her stockings and then distributed the rest of the presents to the other kids. So that when everyone got up, the kids didn't know. Her brothers and sisters just accepted what was in their stockings and she had like the cream of the crop. And mum and dad knew what she'd done but couldn't say anything because they didn't want to spoil the illusion of Santa. It was the perfect crime. That is like an origin scene in one of those movies where like, you know, a lawyer has recruited like a criminal genius to be his like, you know, young hotshot assistants, but they're going outside the law and this guy's never been able to fit in because he has an unconventional way of solving problems and whatever. And they do some yeah. flashback to his childhood. And that's the exact scene they would show to show how genius this manipulator is in getting their own way. That's, that's amazing, that right? So smart. Played, played the system. Played the system to perfection. You're going to I mean, try and trick me? Well, watch this. I'm turning it around on you. And what's your thought process as a parent when that happens? Like, what do you think has happened, firstly? Like, when you first see that thing happening, do you just think you've put the stuff in the wrong sacks? Like, do you work out, like, immediately what's gone wrong? Or do you, like, is there a doubt in your own mind? Do you start to think, well, oh, my God, maybe there is a Santa? For my parents <laughs> with that many kids, I reckon they probably wrote it down to delirium. They would just be like, fuck, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning. We had to eat bloody you know, the biscuits they left out, plus pack the things, plus build the bikes, plus fucking put this shit, I don't care. Whatever. Look, they, they've got presents, they seem happy, it's fine. <laughs> right. uh, but I, I, I think for, well, for that story to have got out, I think mum, I, I reckon my mum would have definitely been, she had a real sense of right and wrong. I think she would have had, she, there would have been a compulsion for her to reappropriate the gifts at a later stage. I don't know what I would do. Well, that's because she's a bloody limousine liberal, Charlie. <laughs> your mother and her idea of communism. Whereas like, yeah. you know, really, if we were a balanced podcast, we'd be celebrating the fact that those who dies with the most toys wins, Charlie. Come on. Yeah, exactly. She took the initiative. Hey, yeah. she played, hey, if we could all work the system, we all would. Let's not be exactly. hypocrites. Exactly. She should be an inspiration for you to get up a little earlier and for you to stop believing in Santa Claus and for you. you no know, Santa Claus is going to bring you presents. You've got to steal your own presents. That's the Christmas dream. And she gave presents to her other siblings. Sure, they weren't as good as right. the presents she got, but it was trickle-down presents. Exactly. Yeah, they got some <laughs> presents, and they occasionally got to play with her presents. So, you know, that's just, that's just what Christmas is about, guys. We're going we're gonna to make Christmas great again. <laughs> uh, let's wind this up. Um, yes. Is this episode 149? Yes. So we should we plug um, uh, uh, what we want to do for next week? We say with no certainty, but you know we have a plan for next week. Richard um, Greco. Mike, just... Richard Greco. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you can just confirm that we're all set up for, before I make this announcement, just, uh, yes, okay, cool. So, all right, next episode is our 150, which um, in cricket parlance, we've, we've raised the bat. No, what do we do at 50? We just nod. 
a hundred we've raised the bat. What do you do at one fifty? Is there any kind of like do we Look, to, Oh we kiss the honest, crest at one hundred? Nah, at, like I would say at fifty you can raise the bat and you point it you're just a bit of a raise the bat. At 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 hundred, you raise the bat, take off the helmet, kiss the crest on the helmet. So at hundred and fifty we just well, what we do is we take questions from the audience. That's what creators yeah. do at 150. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, do a, we do a Skype. Everyone thing. knows that 150 in cricket, you take questions from the crowd. So I don't know if we're like um, playing with fire considering that, you know, we started the show talking about uh, sharing some feedback we've got. But what we'd like is uh, for anyone who listens to the show to um, uh, uh, call in via Skype or Google phone. Is that a thing? I don't know. My, I'm going off what Mike Hales told me is possible. But um, we'll put the details of when and how on the Facebook page. And then I'd say probably around about this time next week, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Thursday, Friday next week. How does that sit for you? I don't, we should have had this discussion off air, but... Yeah, I mean, I fly back to Australia. I think I get in Wednesday morning, so Thursday, Friday is probably good. Oh, cool. Great. Oh, there'll be, yeah, so Thursday or Friday, uh, Australian time next week. So, yeah, we're going to do a live call-in show where uh, you can call in and ask us questions. You can give us feedback. You can join the discussion. Um, you can call. You'll be dialing into Michael's number. He'll put you in a queue if there is more than one person calling, that is. And, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see if we can illuminate what this show is after 150 episodes maybe you can help us work out what the fuck this show is about i mean so far all we've got is too much dick sucking stuff and not as good as get this so let's build <laughs> on that for the 150th hey I've, I've got some gigs i need to plug i'm in madison sure, this weekend uh january 22 i will be recording my special it's called fire at will but it's really the best of free will and fire at will that's at the comedy theater in melbourne it's only 30 bucks too uh one show only if you want to come and be in the audience for that there's only a couple hundred tickets left but that'll be a really fun night justin hamilton's doing support and uh, my critically will tour uh is on sale now um canberra's all sold out for the work in progress uh, Adelaide is on sale at the moment, selling really quickly. Uh, Brisbane is on sale. Melbourne is on sale. I need to mention in Melbourne, uh, on the final two weekends, I will be doing two huge shows at the Melbourne Arts Centre, which is uh, where I first saw Billy Connolly when I was 17 and decided I wanted to be a comedian. So it's very exciting for me to uh, do two shows there. So they're going to be huge shows. And uh, one of those nights, uh, the third uh, weekend of the festival, the second last weekend of the festival. I can't remember what the date of it is, but maybe it's the 15th. Uh, we'll, uh, the TOEFOP details are not on, but it looks like it'll probably be that night. So uh, sure. <clears throat> if you are the sort of person who is out there and you're looking to, you know, like some people want to come and see my show the same night as, you know, if you're traveling from somewhere else, uh, that night of the 15th is when I'm doing that big Art Centre show. So you can come and see the show at the Art Centre and then uh, make it up to the Comedy Theatre for the uh, live TOEFOP as well if you want to do that. Uh, Perth and Sydney uh, are not quite on sale yet, but I will give details of those when they are on sale. I'm also coming to Hobart and I think to Wollongong. I think I've just booked in as well. So there's going to be some other dates coming on that tour, but a lot of it on sale now. Thank you. Uh, and if you want to support the podcast or any of our podcasts, Philosophy, Two Guys, One Cup, that's awesome. Fofop, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash tofop. Uh, basically, it's a, a subscription service. So you can choose uh, to uh, support the show by subscribing a, a monthly amount from a dollar up to, Will? Uh, $15 million. Yeah, we cap it at $15 because we don't want to get ridiculous. $15 million yep. is our top 15 end. Million, um, $15 million US. 
but we uh, we try and give you some access to exclusive content. If you are interested in seeing a live show, um, if you uh, support the Patreon page, uh, I think it's $5 and over or $2 and over, you'll get early notification of, um, of live show tickets. You'll get first dibs. Um, there's also some great behind-the-scenes photographs that I posted this week um, from Sean Maluga. Uh, you might remember Maluga. he did some... <laughs> he, uh, he did some great behind-the-scenes photos of a recording of Two Guys, One Cup. I'll be honest with you, this was shot on the same day, so we're wearing the same clothes. The only difference is Nick Cody has come to join us. And um, if you're wondering what all the cocksock references were on that episode with Nick Cody, then the, the photos should illuminate it. You get to see Nick talking to a very phallic-looking blue sock. Yeah, and if you haven't heard that episode, uh, look at the photos, go back, listen to the Nick Cody episode. He's a really funny stand-up comedian and he's kicking goals all over the world at the moment, so get on board the Nick Cody train. The Nick Cody train? I didn't even know there was a Cody train. Ah, uh, That's how well he's going at the moment. They literally just built a train. Doesn't even go anywhere <laughs> yet, but they've just built it. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I think I know the guys who planned it. It's the same guys who are doing the light rail in Sydney that's fucking going nowhere and costing a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's what Sydney is. <laughs> that sums <laughs> that sums up Sydney. It goes nowhere and it costs a billion dollars. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>